We're in this series, and I've just loved this series. I love it whenever there's spiritual warfare on the front end of a series, and I get to break through that thing by going low with the Lord and saying, Lord, you're going to have to fight this battle right here. And just watching what he's done in my heart even through this series and preparing for it and watching how he's even shifted things, giving, giving dreams and, and perspective of what he wants to do on a higher level. I'll explain more of that next weekend. But uh, we're talking about Beyond Blessed. Last year we, we talked about generosity and the generous life and really about how, how God blesses us. But what we're shifting into in a new paradigm and in a new place and, you know, the Jabez expanding our boundaries is not just to be blessed, but we're actually here to be a blessing. You know, God, God had blessed to be a blessing. He said, I've blessed you so that you can be a blessing in Genesis. And so that we have... We are blessed to be a blessing, and then so I'm, I'm going to repeat this, I'm going to go through this, I'm going to sift through it really, really slowly because it's hard to break out of that mindset because we would just want to be blessed, right? And in fact, sometimes, you ever lost your keys and you had them in your pocket? You're looking for something you got, and that's us as believers, you're extremely blessed and you're looking to be blessed. And, but the reality is you got to get past that shifting point, that paradigm, into, wait a minute, I'm here to be a blessing. That's when you'll see really the, the increase of your own blessedness because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We get stuck in this receiving part of the blessing, and we forget to, we're blessed to be a blessing, and that's when we begin to get more blessed. So, and that's Jesus' words. So we're in this series, and we've been sifting through uh, everything from what it means to live beyond blessed. So last week we talked about being the, who's the owner, who's the owner, and this, way, this week we're talking about being a good steward. And we're going to be in Matthew 25 a little bit later. I'm going to go 20, Matthew, Matthew 23 briefly, Matthew 25, and we'll step into Luke, Luke 12. And so we've got to be able to get this as the body of Christ, as the body of Christ. If we're going to really progress, if we're really going to see Jesus' prayer, your kingdom come your will be done. There's, there's supernatural aspects that have to take place, and he chooses to work the supernatural through the natural. And so it has to, we have to take an understanding of what his word says and apply it in every area of our lives, even finances. Even finances. Great in the spiritual gifts. It's great in salvation. It's great in faith, so to speak, but faith is also revealed in our finances and how we steward our finances, and who we see to be the true owner of these finances that we've been given. So we're going to break this down because it's such a huge impact. We've got to dive into this thing and just get it deep down inside of us. So we know that when we give, God blesses. Now, we know that when we give with the right heart, obviously God blesses that. Now, when we give with selfish motives, that's not what God wants in our heart, so therefore he's not going to bless it. There's a reward system that he puts on things that have the right heart behind it, and so he can lead us in from faith to faith. So he blesses things that are going to move us from faith to faith. In fact, he says you ask and you do not get because what you ask for, you want to do it for, you want to spend it on yourself. And so he's very clear. But in every other area, he shows us that as long as it's for others, he wants to bless. It's more blessed to give. He tells the young man, the, the rich young ruler, if you'll just sell everything, I think what the rich young ruler didn't realize that God can bless him with ten times more than what he was selling. That's why that's why God celebrated the or Jesus celebrated the the old woman with no money, but gave two mites. He says this woman gave more than anybody else in the world, and I, I can't imagine what he blessed her with there to follow. Because Jesus, the Word of God says, if we knew everything, if everything was recorded, what Jesus did in his time on life, there wouldn't be enough books on the earth. So let's not narrow it down to what we can read in these pages here. So. I'm bringing all that in just to give you some perspective, so we're talking about beyond blessed. In the very same way that God's Spirit supernaturally blesses you when you give generously, in that very same way, God supernaturally blesses you when you steward finances according to biblical standards. He blesses His way. When we steward finances according to biblical standards, he blesses that. And so many, so many people don't understand this, and we've got to get this. The kingdom of God, the, the body of Christ has to get this. And it's not just that the numbers add up. It's not just that when you do a budget, you spent less over here, therefore you have no, no more over here. It's not that. 
there's, there's something completely different when you begin to steward them according, steward your finances according to biblical standards, and you position yourself in such a way that you say, God, I want to be a blessing to others. And this is not about my resources, my finances. So in the same way, we do want God to bless, it's God's supernatural blessing on our finances, so that when there is an opportunity to give, we give. When there's an opportunity to give, we give. We, we read this in 2 Corinthians 9, so that not in a bad way, but knowing that God is going to bless our giving. So when you get your finances in order, there's a supernatural blessing from heaven. You got to get it. There is a miraculous blessing when you get your finances in order according to biblical standards, according to his way. And I want you to just try it. I want you to try him. But in fact, when it comes to the tithe, and if you haven't tithed, you need the tithe because he says to test me now in this. But even beyond the tithe, that's when the blessing really becomes, because we talked about it last week, the tithe is returning what belongs to him because he wants the first. It all belongs to him, but he wants the first it to be brought into his storehouse. That's his church. He says the house of the Lord. Now, there's a reason, because it's supposed to provide for many others, not only the saints, but the, the, the wicked. I'm sorry, the, the widows, not the wicked, to bring, <laughs> to bring the wicked into order. <laughs> the widows, the orphans. Uh, it's, it's to provide. And so we've got to trust God in this so that we can change the wickedness that's in this world and bring it back into order, into God's, God's way. Kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, I'm, I've been reading about a lot of wickedness, and it's, it's, it's sick what's going on. Part of my research was watching how much money is being given to parent, Planned Parenthood is being given to LGBTQ, and there's tons of resources being given to wickedness. And for some reason, these institutions, these companies, these businesses, uh, people, philanthropists, so to speak, have no, no problem, and these are unsaved people, no problem giving towards this wickedness. But when it comes to the church and watching how knowing that we have all the blessings and from heaven on earth, we struggle when it comes to this area of our faith. And so it just, it just broke my heart. I don't even want to repeat the things that, that Planned, uh, Planned, Parenthood, Planned Parenthood is doing and just settlements that have been recently discovered, so I mean, uh, had. It's, it's, just, it's just sickening. So anyway, I'm gonna, next week I want to give you a kingdom opportunity. I'm going to explain it. There's something that God's been working out in, since last, uh, last, the, the last of October, and uh, I, I talked a little bit about last week when I met with another pastor and some things that they're going through, but there's something really exciting that I want to present to you guys because I want our church to be a blessing. I think Thrive Community Church, the calling on Thrive Community Church is to be a blessing in our community. Therefore, we can't think selfishly. We've got to position ourselves completely, and it goes granular, meaning it goes down to the smallest individual that's newcomer in here to the person who's been here forever to me. So it's got to be this positioning of a mindset of we're blessed to be a blessing. And, and I want to talk a little bit more about that next week, but I'm just going to break ground on what it means to be a good steward. So we're talking about ownership and stewardship. So you can, you can truly live with no financial stress. None. None. You, you, there, it is possible to live without financial stress in your lives. And it is one of the greatest places that you can possibly live. And it, doesn't come not, it comes not from whether you make a lot of money or how much you actually save. It actually matters what's in your heart. And are you the owner or are you the steward? My grandfather, step-grandfather used to say, it's not how much you make, it's how much you save. It really comes down to, are you the owner or are you the steward? Because God can bless a really good steward who understands that he's the owner. That's where the supernatural starts to step in and starts to come in. So, like I said, I'm going to read from, passage, from a passage in Matthew 25 about talents. And there's one thing I need you to know, and I want to explain it as we get started with that. But before we do... I'm going to break ground a little bit more on this on, in Matthew 23, the seven woes. Seven woes. We talked a little bit, and we just shattered this idea that people have of because we're under grace, we don't have to, in the tithe, they say, was under the law. 
we don't have to, we don't have to tithe because we're under grace. Well, we just kind of blew that out of the water from every, every perspective and paradigm from 2 Corinthians 9 last week. And if you, if you didn't hear it, you hadn't learned here, I really encourage you to go back and listen to that message series. But I even want to take that a little further, and I'm going to take it deeper next week as well. But in Matthew 23, 13 through 29, you hear these woes, to, to the, woe to the teachers of the, of the law. Jesus is talking about these, he's calling the Pharisees and Sadducees, you brood of vipers, you lead people astray, you're the blind leading the blind. He, I mean, he's just breaking it down on all of them through these seven woes. He's calling them, woe to you for this, woe to you for that. And what he's talking about is these Pharisees that are, and Sadducees that are holding people according to the works of the law. And he's calling them whitewashed tombs. He's calling them, you look great on the outside, but you're, you're empty on the inside. And so throughout all of this, Matthew 23, 23, he says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay the tithe of mint and of anise, which is dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. You get it? He said you should have, you should have given faith, justice, and mercy without neglecting the tithe. Now, Jesus never had any issue with redirecting things according to the law. He never had an issue with re- readdressing the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he never would have had a, an issue if he was thinking or going to believe, have us believe that you don't need a tithe, you just need to worry about justice, faith, and mercy. What I, would, what I really feel like he was saying is those who neglect the tithe for a lack of faith are swallowing a camel. Because he says, blind guides who you strain out, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. And really, the tithe is a gnat. It's a small thing. So we try to, in the New Testament here, in the New Covenant, uh, those who believe, well, we're under grace, we're no longer under the law so that we don't have to tithe. Well, what we're doing is we're straining out a gnat being the tithe and we're choking on the camel, which is the faith it takes to tithe. And it's only by grace we have everything that we have to steward in his name. And Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 9 that grace abounds, grace abounds as we sow bountifully. So we've got to get this. It's above our thinking. It's above our understanding. It's only by grace you have, you're able to steward what you got. And it's by grace that he gives you the faith to be able to tithe. You have to use the faith, but then grace abounds. His promise is grace abounds in that situation. Now, question, did Jesus, did Jesus confront the Pharisees according to the law of adultery when the woman was caught? You remember when they brought the, brought the woman to him? And apparently she was alone because no man was brought to him. However that works out. So did, <laughs> did, they, did he have any issue was saying, hey, he wrote in the sand and he started writing out things that we don't know, probably the names of the women that they had slept with, but we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. And so they start walking away, and they, he says, woman, where are your accusers? He gets, he gets up, and I don't know. I don't have none. And he said, neither do I accuse you. Now, what was the penalty for, for adultery in that time? It was to be stoned, and that's why they brought him to him. What do you say about this? But then this happens, and we leave it right there, and we say, uh-huh, see, preacher, it's because of grace we don't have to do. It's because of grace we don't do. It's because of grace. Now, Jesus never had an issue with redirecting the law according to the new covenant and according to his ways, but immediately, and this is what most people leave out of this story, he says, neither do I, you are forgiven, go and sin no more. Grace says, you're forgiven for having not, But grace also says, I'm empowering you to never do that again. That's grace. And grace, when it comes to the tithe, is uh, you're forgiven for having not done it, but go and do it no more. Go and don't tithe anymore. It's time to get under under the grace of knowing who the owner is and who the steward is. We're just stewards. Go and sin no more. He had no problem. Grace forgives and grace empowers to do the other way. Okay, Matthew 25. We're talking about talent, and talent here is talking about a sum of money. I can prove it to you theologically. I can prove it to you biblically. It's not an ability. 
People say, well, only, you only have, he gives so much ability to so, so-and-so, he gives so much ability to so-and-so. When you talk about talents, you get the, the word mixed up like Kevin's talent to play the drums with his ability to pay the, play the drums when it, it comes to this passage. And what he's talking about is a sum of money. And this is Jesus, so you need to know this. This whole thing, God said, I have given so much money to different people according to the ability they have. Same for you. And I expect them to give it back. I expect an ROI, a return on my investment. This is Jesus. This is what Jesus is saying. See, okay, so you need to know Jesus is taking several verses and he's talking about money. It's talking, it starts in Matthew 25, 14. And he starts with, for the kingdom of heaven is like. Remember, Jesus knows what the kingdom of heaven is like. And this is the 11th time in the book, book of Matthew that he says the kingdom of heaven is like. And you really, if you've never done a study on the kingdom of heaven, you need to go back and research that and do a little personal study on what the kingdom of heaven is like. Because that's Jesus' pers- perspective. He's been in heaven. He comes to earth. And he's trying to tell earthly people what the kingdom of heaven is like so that we can live like the kingdom here on earth. That's why he's telling us about it. The kingdom of heaven is like. So he says this. A man, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, that's Jesus, he's the man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants, and those are believers, called his own servants, and delivered his goods to them. Whose goods are they? They're his goods. Let's remember that. Verse 15, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Why? To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them. That means he went and did business. He did some investing. He did some stock, stock exchange. He bought something. He bartered. He sold it. He traded with those and made another five talents. He used his abilities to make more talents. Are you following me? So verse 17 says, And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Notice it's not his money, it's his Lord's money. Verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. You need to get this. Did you know that Jesus is going to come back? We all agree there? And I feel like it's sooner than later. I was praying on the way to a funeral yesterday. Like, Lord, if this is all true, what I talked to you earlier about, what's going on, Planned Parenthood, LGBTQ, and this stuff's going on behind the scenes, Lord, come. It must, be, it must be really quick, and I'm just ready for it. I'm just ready for it. Whatever it comes with, I'm ready. I'm going to be steadfast through the trials. I hope you're steadfast with me because it's, it's going to get ugly before it gets good. Anyway, he's going he's to come, and what he's going to do when he comes, he's going to settle accounts with you. This is the Bema. It's throughout Scripture. He's going to settle accounts with you, and he's going to see how you stewarded his money. He's going to see how you stewarded what he has given you, what he has blessed you with, what he has graced you with. He is going to see how, you, how good of a steward you have been. This is the settling of accounts that he's going to do. It's very clear. In verse 20, he says, So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, You delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Now look at this for a minute. How many people have you said, boy, at the end of it, I just want to see or hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. This is one place in the Bible, and it's talking about money. So if you're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, it's going to be based on how he settles accounts and how you stewarded his money that he gave you. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Boy, I want to enter into that joy. 22. He, he also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Now notice, by the way, it's not how much, it's how much according to your ability. So each one of them used their ability to multiply the talents that God has given them, and that the talents is a sum of money. So it's not about the amount. The amount. It's about amount according to your ability. So in other words, and the person who makes a small amount can get the same well done, good and faithful servant, as the one who stewards a large amount. So as long as you do it according to your ability. 24. It says, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Now, remember, 2 Corinthians 9, we talked about last week. We broke this myth down of grace, not law, and because of that, we don't have to tithe. He says in that, he says, I give seed to the sower and bread for food. Seed to the sower, the sower is the one who's going to take his talents, he's going to multiply it, and he's going to bring back more investment. He's going to give seed. He said, and because he talks about who, he who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. There's a spiritual principle or spiritual law that says you'll reap what you sow. But when it comes to Jesus, he's going to reap what he did not sow, clearly right here. And so, therefore, he's going to bless those who are going to sow his finances according to him so that he can bring kingdom increase here on earth, because that's why God blesses us with things, so that we can bring kingdom increase here on earth and so that we can be a blessing. So he says, I knew you as a hard man reaping where you have not sown. Why did he not sow there? Because he's using us to sow where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered. Verse 25, and I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there, you can have what is yours. Now, he knew it belonged to the Lord, but fear is what drove him, and therefore he was never generous. He was never a good steward. And let me just tell you, fear, the spirit of fear, will never allow you to steward anything well for God. In fact, the spirit of fear is here to paralyze you and keep you from the vision God has on your life. And we found last week that the confession, the obedience to the confession of faith in Jesus Christ is revealed through our generosity. 2 Corinthians 9. I'm going to drive it home until you go research it. Because people have stolen this term out of that whole passage and said that God just loves a cheerful giver. Absolutely, when you do it according to his standards. And you can't truly be cheerful until you're doing it according to his standards. So, I, 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 so Matthew 26, 25 through 26, 26 and 27, sorry. But his Lord answered him and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. This is the one with the one who returned it, didn't, didn't add to it. You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. 27, so you ought to have deposited my money with, with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. I told you he's talking about money. This is Jesus. It's written in red in your Bible. It's Jesus talking about money, and Jesus used the word money. Jesus, money. He used it, and he called it his money. His money. 28 said, So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. What did Jesus come for? So that we may have life and life more abundant. Why does it feel like sometimes we don't have the life more abundant? Because probably we're not stewarding what belongs to him according to his biblical standards. Ouch. Let me give you a definition. He says this, but to him, from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Stewardship. Let me give you a definition on stewardship. Stewardship is the management of the property of another. In a biblical context, if you're talking about what he means by stewardship, it's the management of the property of another. Okay, I got three points. I'm going to drive them home. One is going to build off the last week. And it's called, I am not the owner. I am not the owner. We asked the question last week, am I the owner? Nope, I'm, I'm not. God's the owner. He owns everything. We talked about verses, Psalms 24, and he says, the, the earth is the Lord's 
in the fullness thereof. It says in Psalms 50, where God owns the hills and the cattle. I want to revisit that a little bit. In 50 verse 12, says, if I were, he says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all its fullness. He's, here's what I think he's saying. I'll just eat one of my cows if I want a cow. I'll eat one of my goats if I want a goat. I'll eat some of my vegetables out of that garden that you're stewarding for me if that's what I really want. If I want it, I'll take it. He says, I wouldn't tell you about it. I'll just do it. It don't belong to you. I'll take what belongs to me. I will reap where I did not sow, because what you sowed and multiplied was really just mine anyway. On a, with this year, a friend of mine uh, who passed away this week, he uh, raised a cow for us, and we split it with his daughter, and we got it butchered in September and uh, man, delicious, just delicious. And the first thing I did, I thought, wow, I got 296 pounds of a half of a cow. Like, that's a lot of meat. And so the first thing I did, a friend of mine in need, I called him and I said, hey, why don't you run to, run to Fairfield with me and, and go, go get this cow? And the, the first thing I did, I said, bring, get a cooler. And so he did. And, and, and the first thing I did was, hey, I, let, let's, let's put some of this meat. I gave him about 30 pounds of the 296. Now, uh, it, was an, it, was a, it was a gift, the ability that I, I was able to bless. And I thought, wow, isn't it great that someone blessed me, they raised this cow for me, I had to pay for it, and then now I'm getting it butchered, and now I have all this meat, and I can be a blessing to someone else. Now, uh, I use the 10% term, but it wasn't my tithe. I bring, the, I bring my tithe into the storehouse, and our offerings, Allie and I give, is well above. We give towards the building fund, but this was just a gift offering as well. And, and the young man said, well, I'll pay you back. I said, no, you won't. I'm not giving it to you. I'm giving it to the Lord. Here you go. You give without the expectation of getting anything in return, and God can bless that. No, you won't. I'm not giving it to you. I'm giving it to the Lord. Here you go, because God owns it all. And I can show you this in the Old Testament. I'll show you in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 10, 26 says, for the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. All it contains. By the way, I was able to bless some other people with it, so it just wasn't that one person. It just, it just once the, the gift of giving, you just want to keep on giving once you start. It's like, it's contagious. <clears throat> and so how many, let me tell you, how many of you ladies have a diamond? Put your diamond in there. Come on, show me. Anybody got a diamond, got a ring or earring or something? Nobody's got diamonds in here? There we go. I'm like, make it bling. Like, we don't have enough lights on. Goodness. Well, guess what? That came from his coal. That's his diamond. How, who drove a vehicle? Can I get more hands? Anybody drive a vehicle today? That came from his minerals. Anybody ride a horse? Okay, no. <laughs> Megan rode a horse. It all came, the clothes. Anybody wearing clothes today? Came from his plants. In fact, the money, the, mon the paper your money is printed on came from his plants. The plastic you have credit accounted to, connected to it, it came from his minerals as well. Look it up. That's where plastic comes from. It all belongs to him. It all comes from him. It's all his. Can you imagine us saying that anything belongs to us? And how would God feel about that? That's mine. Like little kids. Mine, 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 mine. Mine, I have a friend, uh, he had a teenage son that was transitioning into adulthood, and like every, not every, I'm sure not, Zay, you, you never did this. <laughs> Young man that's, that's starting to find out who he is and starting to find girls and, and looking, and, and all of a sudden, they start to, like, I'm a man now. I'm a man, and, and all of a sudden, they have this testosterone starts to click in their heads, <laughs> and it's like, nothing works when it comes to functioning well and thinking clearly. And so <laughs> this young man was, you know, the, the, the parents did not agree with the young lady and some of the things that she was doing, and they were trying to protect the young man while he lived in their house. And so he was getting bucked. And he said, well, they said, you know what, not in our house. And he goes, well, this is my house too. No, sir, the, all the bills are in my name. I, I, I pay everything in this house. This is, this is my house. He goes, well, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. He goes, well, that, no problem. You just leave all your clothes and you can go alone. And in fact, you can go ahead and you can take the underwear that you're wearing because that belongs to me too. <laughs> that was an eye-opening experience, experience for that young man right there. But I think he began to understand who it all belongs to, at least in that house. But that's the same way with God. 
And I think we have an adolescent problem when it comes to the world, when it comes to the church, when it comes to every individual on earth. We got an adolescent problem because we think very similar. And do you know what it takes? Do you know when, when we make the transition from childhood to adolescence and into adulthood in the kingdom? It happens when we get this concept of understanding that it's no longer mine, that it all belongs to him, and it's all about his kingdom. So I think he has a lot of teenagers, and he's waiting for us to grow up and realize, oh, in adulthood in the kingdom, it doesn't belong to me. I can't go around saying uh, it's mine, because otherwise we're still a teenager, and you think, what, you think you're living in your house, and you don't live in your house. You live in his house, and you're wearing his underwear. It's all God. God owns it all. <laughs> He's like, dang, really? I got to take them off? Leave them on. Leave them on, Scott. Leave them on. Otherwise, <laughs> so he owns it all. He owns it all. So uh, he is going to come back, and you got to know, when he does, he's going to settle those accounts, all right? And that's, that's point one. You're not the owner. I'm not the owner. Uh, number two is I am the steward. Now, do you realize that God started this whole thing on stewardship in the beginning? He started it with Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden. He said, this is my garden. I'm going to let you be here. I'm going to let you name every one of my animals. He says, uh, you can eat from all these trees, but you cannot take and eat from this tree because I want you to know that that's my tree and you don't take from it. So he gave them this understanding of stewardship in the, in the very beginning. He said, every time you walk by that tree, I want you to know who this place belongs to. One restriction. And Satan comes along and says this, he doesn't want you to eat from the tree because you'll be just like him, right? That's what he said. And God said, uh, no, you eat from that tree, you won't be living in my garden. You won't. It's not that you'll be just like me. You just won't be stewarding. You, I'll see you won't steward well what belongs to me. You'll think you're the owner, and you're out of here. You won't be a steward. Satan tried to convince him. You'll be the owner. God said, no, you'll be gone. It all started with stewardship. It all started. So let me tell you about this talent thing. A talent is a sum of money, and I'll, I'll break it down for you. A talent equals 10,000 denarii. Now, one denarii is a day's wage, and so you'd call it a denarius. One denarius. Two denarius would be two denarii. So that's 10,000 denarii is of a lifetime. So one talent is worth 10,000 denarii. They would get paid for one day's wages, one denarii. I'll break it down for how, how, how I know. So, so you, you would work in a year about 300 days, because there would be Sabbaths, they actually honored the Sabbath, there would be holidays, and then there would be festivals. And we know that, that the Sabbath, sorry, that when the, the woman, Mary, poured the oil on the feet of Jesus, we knew, we know the value of it, because Judas said, why did he, she waste this? We could have sold it for 300 denarii, that is a year's wages. They don't work on Sabbaths, they don't work on holidays, they don't work in festivals. So we know that a year's wage in that day would have been 300 denarii, okay? So you, do, you multiply that with this math I'm about to give you. Now, a young man would, would start working at 12 with his father. At 17, this is in Jewish culture, at 17, he would actually start getting paid for his work, and a lifetime was actually 55 years. A lifespan was around 55 years in that day. Now, they would retire at 50. So from 17 to 55 is 33 years. In fact, 10,000 denarii is 33 and a third years worth of wages. That's a lifetime of wages. How long did Jesus live? 33 and a third years. So he had a life, that's a lifetime of wages. So you need to know that going in. And the lifespan at 55 to 65 was going down since Methuselah. Methuselah was like 900 years old. But because of sin entering into the world, it started going down. The lifespan started going down. Now, an answer to sin has come, Jesus. 
and the lifespan started going back up. Not only that, God has given wisdom to doctors, but we're also discovering, finally they're discovering, that when we live and think outside of the, the confines and the Word of God and the faith and the truth of God's Word, pain, elements, cancer, disease, other things begin to come on our lives. That, that, that's not the only reason, but many pains that we suffer are due to wrong thinking, unforgiveness, lies, bitterness, resentment, ungodly belief systems, and it all points back to Jesus, and if we'll just believe in Jesus, the healing will remain. Healing will follow. Lifespans will increase. We still have an enemy in this world that came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I'm telling you, since Jesus has come, there's been an answer for all that. So, so when people referred to 10,000 denarii or a talent of silver, that's what it was, a talent of silver, that was a lifetime's average wage. So this one guy, he got one talent. So don't feel sorry for him. Jesus blessed him. The Lord blessed him with, here you go, here's a lifetime wage. That's pretty good. I don't know how old he was, but he got three, 33, and a half, 33 and a third years worth of wages. He got a lifetime. And then the next one got two. And some, so some people make twice the annual salary than others. The next one got five. So some people make five times the annual salary of a normal, a normal salary, right? Now, that was a silver. A gold talent was worth ten times, ten times the amount. And some people, so some people make 50 times an average salary. Those people are called athletes. <laughs> we don't know any of those people, but they are out in this world. They are not fictitious characters you watch on TV. They are real. So it's money. It was a talent, and God gave them a sum of money. We don't know if it was a talent of silver or a talent of gold, but God gave them a talent so that they can use according to their abilities to bring, to bring an increase back to him at the time of reckoning and at the time of settling, all right? Here's another thing that's amazing to me. According to their ability, and you might say, well, I'm a one-talent person, or I'm a, I'm a, a, you don't have to say you're a one-talent person. You can increase your ability. You can get education. You can get, finan you can get financial freedom. Uh, in fact, Mick's going to start a financial freedom uh, small group, Thrive Tribe, in the spring so that God's people can learn how to steward his money really well so that they can position themselves to be a blessing. You can get skills. You can learn how to work smarter and not harder. That's good stewardship. Sometimes God blesses you and you start working harder. Why? All you got to do is start working smarter. You got to steward well what God has given you. So let's think about it. So if you'll say, if you're a five-talent person, God expects that back from you. Think about it. If there's a person who can give $500,000 and he only gives $250,000, is he going to hear, well done? However, if a woman says, I've, she, all I can give is 50, all I have the ability to give is 50, but she gives 200, which one's going to hear, well done, good and faithful? the one who truly gave according to their ability. See, God is judging you by what he gave you. He's judging by what he gave you. And God is watching you, and he's going he's to come back, he's going to settle accounts, and he's going he's to say, who's the steward? Who's the owner? And you're going to have to come, come clean with whatever it is that he's given you to steward in this time here on earth according to his principles, his standards, his way. Let me give you another definition on stewardship to protect and expand the resources of another. So notice he wants, he wants us to protect and expand. He says you could at least put it in a bank because I wanted you to protect it and expand it. To protect and expand is what he wanted. And that guy, he didn't even put it in a bank. He just dug a hole in it and put it in there, hoping that nobody else would find it so that when the day of the Lord would return, he would come back and he would give him that one talent. But God wanted him, Jesus, the Lord, wanted him to protect and expand it. He said, you could have put it in a bank. You know who God's bank is? We are. God gives us what we have. He invests it into us so that we can there multiply it bring the increase, and give it back to him when he returns, or as he speaks to us and says, hey, I want you to give it over here. I want you to sow it over here. I want you to return it over here. I want you to bless this individual over here. You're the bank. 
He's investing in you, and it's all by grace that he's invested what he's invested into each and every one of us. It's time to think, that, think a little bit differently. So number three is, am I a good steward? I'm a steward, but am I a good steward? You don't own anything. God owns it all. The question, am I a good steward? Look at Luke 12, 16, verse 16 says, Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store whose crops? My crops. Notice how he thought everything is his, Stephen, right? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store my crops and my goods. See, he was thinking like an owner, not a steward. Verse 19 says, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many, you have, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Don't worry about the kingdom. Just focus on yourself. But God said to him, fool. <laughs> fool. What you talking about, Willie? Fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose, whose will those things be which you have provided? So, at, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Look at this. He didn't reprimand, he didn't reprimand them for making a lot of money, him for, ma- for making a lot of money. He didn't reprimand them for that. No problem. That wasn't the problem. He did not reprimand them for build, him for building bigger barns or even storing it. Didn't reprimand them from that. He reprimanded him for not living for others, for only living for himself and not stewarding it for kingdom purposes. That was the reason he got reprimanded. You need to know that being a good steward is that I'm a steward of everything God has given me so I can be a blessing whenever God wants. I'm a steward. I'm stewarding it because I'm a steward, not the owner. So if I have no problem returning the tithe, and I have no problem listening to him according to his word, then I have no problem when, he, when his Holy Spirit begins to pull at my heart and prompt me to give above and beyond, because what I realize, it's grace that I'm able to do this, and grace abounds when I do this. Because I'm not the owner. He's investing what he can trust with me because I'm only using my ability. But when I grow that ability, when I get some training, some education, I smarten up a little bit, get some sense about me, and I use it, I steward it according to his ways, his principles. Whenever he says, and I do it, I can invest more in that bank. I get a great return over here in this bank. Who looks for great interest rates when they start investing. Where do you think you get that from? If you need financial help, we're here for you. If you need financial freedom, we're here for you. Call us, 803, I mean, 804-7418, 903-804-7418. Mick would love to sit down with you and go through. He will help you get your, your life in, in, in perspective, your, your finances in, in check. He will help you to learn how to steward well what God has given you. Why wouldn't you want to be blessed to be a blessing? What is it in our hearts that keeps us from wanting to be a blessing to others? If we're really going to find freedom, and this is the, this is the issue of freedom, is we've got to get down to the root of the real problem. And the problem is not being able to give. The problem is what's in our hearts that keeps us from even having the faith, the choking on the camel, to be able to give. Where's that coming from? Lord, where's that coming from? Lord, when did that start? Lord, why is it that I think that way? Because it's not coming from Him. We're here to give generously. We are not the owners of all the funds we have. 
We are the stewards. And when we steward everything God's way, there is a supernatural, miraculous blessing that comes upon our finances that He brings increase towards so that He can further bless us so that we will be a blessing. I told you about my friend that I lost this week, Monday morning. Not the way you want to wake up on Monday. Veterans Day, he was a veteran. And he went home to be with the Lord. When he first came to the church I was at, when I knew I met him, I remember him saying, whenever we were about to plant the church, he goes, Nathan, I appreciate you so much. Because for weeks and weeks and weeks, no one came and talked to us except for you. They first started coming, nobody came to talk to us except for you. This man has blessed my wife and I tremendously just in using his abilities to bless us. I can show you through my house everything that he made for me. The table I eat on, the rails I hold when I go up my stairs, the rails that are on my, on my balcony that keep my child from falling over. Roger did that. Now, I'll tell you that first statement to say this. When I went to his funeral yesterday, I saw a crowd of people, probably 75 or 80, that made it to their house yesterday. And I walked through and I heard stories of people telling one another of how the fingerprint of Roger was over every one of them because of things that he did to bless them, things that he made, paintings that he painted, Little things that he gave along his, along his five years of being here. Only five years of being here in Athens, Texas. And he had all these friends. And all of them had, had stories to share about how he had left a fingerprint on their lives. And I talked to his wife at the very end. And, and I was, she goes, Nathan, what are you preaching about tomorrow? And I told her this. She goes, Nathan, I learned that a long time ago. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive, and it's more blessed to be a blessing than it is to just be blessed. I said, I know you know it, because Roger showed it to me. Do you want to leave a fingerprint on the lives of others? Or do you just want to say, soul, it is well. Let's eat, drink, be merry. Do you want to be a bank worth investing in? Do you want somebody else to have your talents? It's time for us to really start thinking God's way. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. Here's so many times, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. And I have shown that to people who said that statement, and they have come back and said, you're right. I couldn't afford not to tithe. But you can't see it when you're in bondage to not tithing. And I can boldly say that in love because I care for you. I love you. And if you ever, ever have a struggle, our church will be there for you. I want you to tithe first, but we're going to help you through any financial struggle you have, I promise you. Because I know God blesses. And I know that God. And that's the church I want us to be whenever we really start planting feet in Henderson County. And that building goes up and people see that is a generous place. They're not about themselves. But it requires, even on the granular level, that everybody understand that you are a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. So let me get with you and pray. Get where, where you get with the Holy Spirit. And I want to ask that question. It wasn't on my heart. It wasn't in the message. It just, God put it there. What is it, Lord, that keeps me from having the faith to tithe? Or what is it that keeps me from having the faith to hear you when you want me to give? And I would just agree with the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you he's going to be right. And I did this last week, and I want us to do it again this week. I want you to open your hands, because good stewardship looks like an open hand. Because God can give, and He can take away whenever He wants, whether it's people, whether it's occupation, whether it's business, whether it's finances.
when we lead it with an open hand, we give everything that we got to steward that thing really well, and whenever he decides to move it or transition it, we're okay with that too, because we know in the kingdom of God, one plus one equals whatever God wants it to equal. And we know that he gives more than three, three for one, and so when he decides to transition anything out of our hands, and we steward it well, according to biblical principles, we know that he's going to bless us with more. And oftentimes he has to work through our hearts so that he can bless us with the more so that we can be stable and trustworthy for that. So, Father, we come before you with open hands not to receive but to be a blessing. Father, I just pray that supernaturally that hearts and souls are opening up, that the kingdom of God is beginning to penetrate all of our hurts and our wounds and the lies we've believed in the past. Even forgive maybe even pastors who have deceived and who have misled for the sake of their own gain. Scripture would call them whitewashed tombs. Maybe it's churches that took and used for negligence. Maybe they, maybe they did build extravagant buildings that were unnecessary, and they, they lost sight of serving the community in which they're in. Well, we just forgive them right now in Jesus' name. Maybe it was our parents that taught us poverty, and they lived in poverty, and they had a poverty mentality, and so... We don't know what it means to be able to be generous. Father, we just forgive them as well. We just break the curse of greed, selfishness, and the lack of faith that may be passed from generation to generation to generation, likely stemming out of our Depression era. Father, we just thank you for the abundance. Thank you for the grace that we have anything. Father, we just pray for the more that you have for each individual, that they use each talent according to the ability to that you gave them. And Father, I pray that they will steward well the abilities even so that they will go and develop into more ability and more ability so that they can be positioned for more talents so that they can be a great investment for the kingdom of God here on earth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody say, come on. Amen. Amen.